Hello and welcome to Lux, the podcast. My name is Margot Warren. I'm America's Catholic sweetheart. And I'm Stephen Antonio. I'm the guy that's questioning these apostles, saying, they're drunk or not. <laughs> okay. Last week. Yeah. Wow. You're always the cynic in these. <laughs> always. You're always. Always the doubter. Always the questioner. Yes. And I love that for you. Thank you. I. It's a good part for me. It is. You know what else you could be really good at? What? Driving buses. I just am thinking <laughs> at the top of my head. Not even 30 seconds of this conversation <laughs> and I'm already done. No, 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 no. We have a lot to cover. <laughs> so here's what happens on Lux. We listen to the upcoming Sunday Gospel. L. That's L. We, uh, I explain some stuff so that you can understand Stand it. Understand. <laughs> and then you and I and Steven think about our own personal experiences. Experiences. Doesn't even start with X, but we just take those liberties. And uh, we hope it inspires you to think about how the gospel can be meaningful to you in your everyday life. We share light on the gospel. That's right. we are. That's what we do. Yeah. And we always start with an icebreaker. Oh, I love that. I love that. Are you ready for today's? Yeah. Oh, it's still going. High tech. Uh, Tell us about... This is just the one question. Tell us what food best represents your personality. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't use M&M's because you used that last that week. That was last week, yeah. My, the first thought was mocha chip ice cream. I don't know why. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. That's so weird. Do you even like mocha chip? Yes, it's my favorite ice cream. I didn't know. Yeah, mocha oh, chip. We're learning, we're learning about each other. What about you? I, I think um, Cheerios because... Good for the heart. I'm good for your heart, mm-hmm. but not that sweet. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you're not honey nut yet. No, 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 or definitely not. Or, uh, Ew, no. Oreos. No. Versions. I'm that thing that's that's good for you, mm. but only if you like Rabbit put food. something else with it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know cream. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you? Yeah. Did you want to land that mocha chip thing, or do you want to think about the meaning behind that? No. Or okay. But you know what? Comment below. Yeah, like and subscribe. Yeah. Hit the, smash that like button. Smash it. And smash that comment button. Yeah. Okay, so we're still in the Gospel of John. Right, I thought you told me after. We're almost done. We're almost done. Easter. Easter's done. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of coming around on John. Oh, now you are? Oh I know, gosh, just in time. This is like the Beauty and the Beast. Been <laughs> with the Beast too long. You think so? Stockholm Syndrome. Well, well, the feast we're doing is the... Body and blood, blood Blood. of Jesus Christ, or Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. Yeah, a little crispy Christ. (laughs) Yes, that's that's sure. What does that mean? Does that mean it means body of Christ? Corpus. Corpus Christi. Christi Jesus. Right. Yep. Okay. So, (laughs) looking at John, chapter six, verse fifty-one to fifty-eight, and it goes a little something. Like this. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. 
just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. All right. So this is, yeah, this is like the John classic. Classic I John. Is you and you is is and all that. <laughs> he is the walrus. That's mm-hmm. the um, punchline of this reading. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, this is interesting because I, I do, when I think of my of like Christian brothers and sisters who don't recognize the Eucharist as actually the Eucharist. Yeah. I always think of this, this story. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Last Supper. Yeah. And then when he kind of like hits on it again. Because yeah. this is after, when is this in the story? In this? Oh, let's see. That's a good question. It's only six, so it must be. He's still alive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but what a good question. I don't know. Mm. So yeah, I always, uh, I think about this. So you think, tell me if I got this right. You they, People say, I don't really believe that's the true presence. It's a symbol. Right. Yeah. It's a symbol. And you look at John and you say, he says it, he says it right there. Yeah, especially um, especially the Last Supper, too. Yeah. Tell us what you mean by, like, the true presence or the real presence. Oh, yeah, yeah. That the, the, um, through the miracle of Mass, the mm-hmm. bread and body um, becomes the blood and the bread. Body and blood, the bread and yeah, the wine. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So you think, what happens? Like, how do you explain Something's that? Like, it's not like substance over matter or something like that mm-hmm. and the substance is the same but the matter is different the other way around the other way around okay matter stays the same but the substance has changed yeah yep and that's a and, sufic- and like the catholic church is not the only one that does it because we no. have the eastern eastern orthodox as well yeah yeah there are lots of people who lots of well maybe not lots but there are other denominations who consider what you're talking about, transubstantiation, so mm-hmm. changed substance. Oh, okay. Right? Um, there are other denominations that view that as a possibility, mm-hmm. but also consider other possibilities like consubstantiation. So, oh, like it that? could be With... both and. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or it could be, you know, uh, some people and some denominations consider it a symbol, mm-hmm. which is easier to believe, right? Yeah, and, and to order. And to order, like massive, but you know, they, they, they get a little. Oh, the little like, like uh, yeah, the, wine yeah. and the and the bread. It's That's... like a little like dungaroo. Yeah, but for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that is weird, even for me. <laughs> and then they have them like placeholders in the pew too. Like they have the yeah, little, the holes. little holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've yeah. seen that. Um, I gave a presentation back at your your parish, my mm-hmm. former parish. For the Eucharistic ministers. And I, I read something totally fascinating. So I, I brought it with me okay. today. So we sometimes think that images like the real presence or ideas like the real presence are eternal and unchanging in the church. As if the book of church was written in year one and never has changed. But actually, the real presence, I'm putting quotes around that, is a good example of how theology has developed through history. So, in fact, for the first thousand years of Christendom, Christianity, Mm -hmm. the term real presence referred to the people of the church, the body of Christ. I love that. Back then, they would have used mystical presence in talking about the Eucharist. Oh. And the words changed, not in response to a change in theology, but uh, in response to a heresy. 
Oh. So people were teaching that it was impossible that Jesus was really present in the Eucharist. Okay. Which the church believed was possible through this mystical presence. Okay. Um, and so when when this argument was happening, the church doubled down. Mm. And started talking more about real presence as the Eucharist. Oh, okay. So Most this is people. Yeah. So this is like um, 11th century. There's a theologian in the 11th century who denied that there could be a material change at the consecration. Mm. So it, it's just impossible, right? And it raged for the next 200 years wow. and culminated in the definition of transubstantiation at the Fourth Lateran Council, if you're following along, in 1215. Oh. So it's kind of interesting to me, right? Like this idea of real presence, true presence is talked about all the time yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. So here's my question. How did you come to believe that Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist? Uh, you know, I think it's a... Um... It's a constant belief. It's not like I believe and then never think about it ever again. Okay. Um, I a, there's a point where it's a little, it's a little above my pay grade hmm. to figure it out. Okay. In that sense, and I'm and really because it's because it's you know it's a miracle. It's it's I don't do miracles and I don't have con control <laughs> don't of do miracles. miracles. Yeah. You know, so like I don't I'm, do miracles. I'm okay right? just pushing the paper. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. Um at my level. Mhm. Mm um I think I would be very difficult if I was a priest to believe it. Oh, really? Because I would be the one that's you oh. know invoking the spirit to yeah. do it. Um Oh, but, that's interesting. So I can just kind of it's one of those things that I can just accept and yeah. not, but not really know. Yeah, this is why I'm more about the spirit, and I'm, and really about the true presence as the first thousand years. Because yeah, I'm all about the people. Yeah, and I know that the Eucharist has done a lot of great, great things for people mm -hmm. in their lives when they received it, and when they worshipped it, and mm -hmm. things miracles have happened around it. Uh huh. Um, becoming flesh, real becoming flesh. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like okay. Yeah, it's uh, a it's a faith thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More yeah. Than an understanding thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a leap. Yeah. yeah. But I also really struggle with, and I know you do as well, adoration. Yeah. Because it's it's just it's just so God. It's like so about God, and I just don't think God wants that. Yeah. It seems like at least in the Gospels, right? He wants us to go out and make right. disciples, and right. So just sitting with him is. Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of, yeah. Kind of, kind of <laughs> this is, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but I, I get those that love it. Right. We need people that be praying, and that's just not my gift. Yeah. <laughs> we need people that be praying. Yeah. I, okay. I recently got in some trouble around this because I posted a, a link. No, I posted a blog post. Yes, you did. About adoration and how I just don't get it mm -hmm. i just don't think it's right yeah oh. let me get right down to it i i made an analogy that for me adoration which is uh, you know if you don't know the, what adoration is it's really just praying in the presence of the eucharist 
Yes. So that you're, you know, you're with Christ because mm-hmm. that's where Christ is. So I made the analogy that for me, adoration is like inviting a starving person to stare at a sandwich or like even just like sit in the presence of a sandwich, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me because it's food. Right. Right? It's meant to nourish you. You're meant to. Even in these readings, it tells you that you need to receive. Yeah. Not look at. Exactly. And Jesus, you're right. Never said, worship me. Ever, ever, ever said, yeah. worship me. Um, He more, you know, said, take care of each other. Mm. Do right. the right things. Yeah. Bring people, you know. Love. Bring people love. Yeah. Right. Yep. So. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is, quote. Quote. It's right there. Yeah. So Straight we should be receiving it. You're you're pro receiving exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the thing. Like I got a I got a little bit in trouble because I was going to speak somewhere hmm. doing a, a retreat day and it turned out one of the priests there had read this blog post and he took offense. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, the reason I am have such strong feelings about this is because I do believe in the presence mm-hmm. of Jesus in communion. Okay. Um, but I think communion i think it's about the table i think it's about sharing it yeah i think it's about eating it and then getting out of there and doing good things yeah it's because i believe in the power of jesus mm-hmm. um to change the world and change hearts that it makes me crazy that we sit and yeah. stare at it i wonder are we like are we in an adoration era yeah because it's everywhere and it's yeah and i think i think as catholics i I know that some people kind of dog on like cafeteria Catholics, like mm-hmm. they pick and choose what they want to believe. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I believe that we are all on a journey that we'll eventually get to. Yeah. And maybe we'll come into the full belief in heaven. Yeah. I'm not dogging anybody that does adoration. I, it's just not, it should just be as equal as like praying is singing. Yeah. Adoration is praying. Like it should just be, yeah, yeah. It should be one, one of the of choices. Many. Yeah. yeah. And that's beautiful. And it is. That we it have is. A church yeah. Yet. Well, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like, yeah. like they're pushing right. adoration. I know, like with as a youth minister, a lot of like people were talking about like, oh, she get you know, right. kids praying in front of the Eucharist, and I'm like, I think I want them to just believe first. Right. Right. I want them to be receiving communion. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like changing their lives, and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, adoration. You know, the ch- the church has trends, mm-hmm. whether we can see that or not because they're usually very long trends yeah right very slow to change right and you you can see like right now divine mercy big trend you know mm-hmm. uh adoration big trend big trend yep um but it used to be like a lot about the sacred hearts there was a oh. lot of sacred heart stuff happening okay. there was the miraculous medal there were mm. you know there's lots of devotional trends that come and go over time okay, okay. and the, and adoration in itself came from a time when the church was teaching people that they didn't deserve to receive communion, that the only one holy enough to receive communion was the priest. Oh my gosh, now, so, oh, only the priest. Right. Oh, interesting. And it's also something that's big in places where you don't have some, you don't have a lot of churches or you don't have a lot of priests to go around. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it is criminal to be looking at a host Mm-hmm. When there's a tabernacle full of hosts. Yeah. Because the whole idea of the tabernacle was to, like, you'd have the meal together, you'd break the bread together, and then you'd leave a little in the bread box mm-hmm. so that you could take it to people who were sick. 
Oh, okay. That's the whole point of a tabernacle, mm-hmm. not to set Jesus aside so that you can worship his Him. little house. Yeah. But because it's meant to be like a, you know, like a little free library kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those that need it that couldn't be there. Right. Right. And we've gotten way way off track. Yeah, he's just going back to the basics. Right. Yeah. I I here's where I could get in real trouble by saying this, but I I will. Mm-hmm. And I have said this and I'm not afraid. I think we idolize the Eucharist and I think it's dangerous. Mm. Cuz it's it's not about whether or not we are near a piece of bread. Mm. Right? The 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 Eucharist is only important because it is Jesus. Yep. So if, you know, like in churches, you'll notice they don't use real bread generally. And that's because they're afraid of crumbs, Mm. right? Like if you break real bread, there's going to be crumbs. And then Jesus is on the floor. And what have you done? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think when we come to to treasure this this thing, Mm -hmm. this vessel so much that we've lost the point. Yeah. We're using something that Jesus didn't even use, mm-hmm. right? He broke bread. Yep. There were crumbs. Yeah. He was fine. Mm-hmm. But. This was about the people. He's always about the people. Right. Yeah. So we really lost that thread, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and time by for the a way, revival. Yeah. It seems like. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I have this note that may, uh, that may apply. Okay. It says, throughout John's gospel, Jesus' miracles are a means to an end. The crowd pursued him for his miraculous food, but this was not his true gift. Although his miracles alleviated the suffering of many, uh, their purpose was to reveal the love he shared with the Father and offered to his disciples. Divine love was the bread that kept him going and the food that would sustain his disciples for eternal life. Jesus wanted disciples who pursued him for this gift, not for the symbols that only pointed to its reality. Mm. So I feel like (laughs) what this guy's saying is that Jesus, and you can see it in the Gospels, Jesus gets a little frustrated that people are like, heal me, heal me. Mm. I'm following you because I heard you multiply the fish and the loaves. And he's like, no, no, actually, the point is relationship with god mm-hmm. right yeah and here we are you know a couple years later mm-hmm. doing the same thing yeah like getting not seeing the forest for the trees right right yeah i mean this came up a lot during the pandemic yes you know a lot of people couldn't receive because we couldn't be together right a lot of adorations from cars would, was happening yep yeah it really forced us to think about like what is this yeah Right? What yeah, are and probably, we? And, and probably a lot of people had their definition of church redefined. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be in Jesus' presence, help somebody else. Yeah. You know, be with your family. Mm-hmm. You know, love your... Be with your bubble. Yeah. 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 Love yeah. each other. Like, that's the presence, the true presence of yeah. Christ. It's yeah. about love. It's about love, dummy. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's about people it's not about you and god it that's is right. about other people that's right always yeah well yeah and yeah. it all circles together right because mm-hmm. when it's when it's about others it yeah. is about you and god yeah so i wanted to talk a little bit about john's weird writing oh okay because i i learned a little something this week about that cool 
This is a really good le- website called Lecture Prep, by the way. Lecture Prep. Yeah, and he does background and information for all the other readings. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So for the lectures. For the yes, that read, in. That the read other the first readings yeah. and second readings for those yeah. that don't know. But about John, he says John wrote for a group of believers in Jesus who were in a struggle with their traditional synagogue. Mm. The believers had tried to convince the rest of the synagogue that Jesus was the Christ, but that didn't work. The believers tried more exalted claims on behalf of Jesus, which only made the other members and the synagogue leaders dig in more fiercely. It was an impasse that some of the new Christians couldn't take, and they waffled, and some of them just left the community of followers of Jesus. So this is a deciding point for these people. Okay. Should I stay or should I go? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's like any church trying to do anything new. Yeah. A to the men. Yeah. People leave. People stay. Right. People go somewhere else. Right. There's, oh, there's a Simpsons. Simpsons Simpsons did that. did it. (laughs) About uh, Christians and Protestants swapping churches when something Mm. happened. Just running out the doors and into the other church. But I also found this interesting thing about John's writing. Okay. It's kind of a visual thing. So I'm going to try and read, get the reader, the listener, into what I'm talking about. I'm going to close my eyes. You can. <laughs> you don't have to, but you can. And um, what this scripture in particular or is a really great example of chiasm. Have we talked about chiasm yeah, before? Yeah, I mean. So chiasm is like a triangle. Mm-hmm. Like if you were writing a poem and you were writing a chiasm, your first line and your last line would be the same. Okay. Your second and second to last would be the same. Oh, right, right, right. And it would all point to a central, most important point. In the middle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this scripture, which is John 6, 48 to 58, starts and ends with the same thing. And it go and it points to a central center line. Mm-hmm. So, in the first line and the last line, I am the bread of life. I am that bread of life. And in the last line, He that eats this bread shall live forever. So those are the same. Mm-hmm. The second line and the second to the last. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Second to last line. Your fathers did eat manna and are dead. Third line. This is the bread which comes from heaven, the bread which came down from heaven. Mm-hmm. Third from the last, this is the bread which came down from heaven. Did you even notice this no. reading it? Nope. I didn't either. I just knew it was like weird. Yeah, it's weird. So, et cetera, et cetera. But. What's the line? The line, the center line is, then Jesus said to them, Ver- verily, verily, this is an old <laughs> translation, I say to you, except that you eat the flesh of the blood, son of man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. All right. So that's the central bit. Yeah. That's the key. Mm. Isn't that so interesting? That is interesting. I have it printed out so you can see it. That it really Will it be is on your like, blog post? Yeah. It really is like oh, a... Yeah. Like a chevron. Mm. This is what I love about learning about the Gospels and about the Bible in particular. There's a lot of this in the Old Testament, too. Um, there's just so much more that meets the eye. Mm. And especially if you're only hearing it 
you know, sort of out of context on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, you can miss a lot. Right, right. And there's, and it, like, who knew there was visual something, <laughs> anything yeah, right. to the in, Gospels, in the re- you know? In the writings themselves. So, so the Eucharist, huh? <laughs> Should we talk about the feast day, though? Sure. I just want to make sure we covered everything. The Feast of Corpus Christi, which is always on the Thursday following Trinity Sunday. But oh. for us, it's on a Sunday. Oh, okay. So always not. <laughs> always around there. Its inspiration is due to two things. The first is a miracle, which happened in AD 1263. Okay. Um, a, someone, a priest doing a pilgrimage to Rome stopped at a church to offer mass. He harbored doubts about the real presence, and the host began to bleed in the mass. Okay. I can't even say it. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Do you what's... think someone, they're lying about it? I feel like people get a little hysterical. <laughs> of possibly. course. A piece of bread is bleeding. Yeah. Of course they get hysterical. What's the point of a miracle like that? That's That's what gets me. Well, clearly it's not for you. Right. <laughs> but hopefully I'm guessing that it would get people to believe. <sighs> yeah. He rushed to meet Pope Urban the Fourth in Orvieto. Urban? Urban. Bringing the host with him, the miracle was declared and the host is still on display at the ca- cathedral. The second source of inspiration was an Augustinian nun, Belgian, named St. Juliana of Mount Cornione. Juliana? Yeah. St. Juliana. She had a vision of the moon that was full and beautiful, but marked by a black spot that signified that there was no joyous celebration of the Eucharist in the entire church calendar. So the Pope, see, I can see her eyes rolling. What's so the Pope, a miracle? Uh, made it the feast as she part. She looked at the moon? Yeah. She had like a floater in her eyes. <laughs> she was like, it's a sign. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we do this. I did find this really interesting. We have every Sunday is about the Eucharist. We I don't mean, need a feast. A to the end, yeah. Stephen. I know I don't understand it. Okay. It's just... Uh. It's like if the Patriots had like a Patriot Day. <laughs> like every game <laughs> right. is a Patriot right. game. Today day. we're celebrating the, the Patriots. Patriots. Yes. Like as opposed to always. <laughs> On every Sunday yeah. at Foxborough. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I did find a really interesting custom. Oh, okay. So there's a, which I think you'll like, there's a website called Fish Eaters. <laughs> and it is a terrible, There, it's terrible. And I don't recommend anyone going there seriously. Okay. But in kind of in the same way that you check out Fox every once in a while to see how they're handling I the do. news. Yeah. It's like, you could check this out. But what they have there is a really cool collection of customs for different things. And I learned this about the custom, one of the customs for Corpus Christi in Catalonia and a few cities in Spain. There's a tradition of the dancing egg, which dates to at least the 15th century. An egg is emptied out. Mm. The holes needed to empty it out are sealed with wax. Mm. And then the egg is placed over a vertical jet of water in one of the city's fountains. The water pushes up against the egg, causing it to turn but not fall. The egg dances in the water, and the fountain, having been decorated with flowers beforehand, the scene is said to represent the host in a bejeweled monstrance. 
<laughs> what? This is right up there with racing Mary down the street with doves flying out of her ass. <laughs> right? <laughs> like You're talking about what my home, my father's hometown yeah. does? Yeah. <laughs> Look. Oh, okay. Look, people. <laughs> if you want to celebrate how great the Eucharist is, go get it. Yeah. Go get it. Daily. Yes. Weekly. Yep. Yep. Go get it. Yep. And then go do something good. Yeah. Yeah. And love your neighbor. Right. Bam. Bang. Yeah. Bam. Boom. Yeah. That's it. That's the important thing. Yeah. But it's so human to add all this stuff on, though. It is. It's it is. very human. And I want to add a coda here. A coda? I only know that from my piano days. <laughs> That's exactly what it's from. Oh. You can be in the presence of the Eucharist anytime you go into a church, a Catholic church, That's because right. that Eucharist is present in the okay. tabernacle. It doesn't need to be in a big monstrance, right? So anytime you want to feel like closer to Jesus without actually having communion, um, you can go and sit in a church and adore Jesus. Yeah. Right. Like to yeah. me, the way that this can make sense is like, uh, I want to pray. Jesus, you might be here. We might as well be here with me. Mm. Right. Yeah. But if you really want to celebrate the Patriots, <laughs> you know, watch the game every week. Yeah, that's true. Get a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. Do your thing. And if you really want to celebrate the Eucharist, Receive the Eucharist. Yeah. Be the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's so. So they put an egg <laughs> in a fountain. Right. When was this? Uh, now. Oh my gosh. I believe, now? Yeah. There's With pictures. the internet and video, we we still use an egg in water <laughs> with flowers. Uh, uh, oh, there's pictures online I recommend. So happy Feast of Corpus Christi. <laughs> it's a real favorite of ours. Yeah. I love you, Jesus. I mean, it is very central to our beliefs. Um, it is. And I believe it. Mm -hmm. I really do. This yeah. is why it makes me so mad. Right. Because you truly believe it. I truly believe it. Yeah. I truly believe in the, the power of Yeah. Because if you Eucharist, think. What God has done throughout mm -hmm. salvation history, through the whole Old Testament, God was trying to dwell among his people. people. Yeah. And so dwell. dwell. Dwell with that Eucharist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Live it. Amen. Okay. Amen. I think we've done a lot of good here. Stephen, if you had to sum up this whole thing mm -hmm. on a bumper sticker, what would it say? Be the Eucharist within you. Ooh, okay. All right. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I mean, I can see what you're going for. All right. What yeah. Would you, how would you do it? Live Eucharist. Laugh. Live, laugh, Eucharist. Love. <laughs> yes, that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah so you can check that out in our merch store yeah yeah yeah, yeah. live laugh eucharist uh steven uh where can our listeners find you you can find everything uh all steve at stevenantonio.com <laughs> everything steve and if you you can find out uh this blog post at margomorin.com yes. as well you're getting so much better at that. and she's also available for spiritual direction as well i am online kind of, in person I don't, I don't have a ton of time but oh yeah you're full time okay. yeah but you know but we're here every week we're here every week except for that one for you <laughs> listeners yes. we love you and we hope you have a great time this oh this week yeah this is not an a special week just we just have you I hope you have a great week <laughs> falling apart yes 
Uh, and we hope that you join us again next week on Lux the, the podcast. podcast. Lux the Podcast is written by Margot Morin. The podcast is edited by Stephen Antonio. Margot Morin is available for spiritual direction, and you can view her blog at margomorin.com. Stephen Antonio is available for production of podcasts. He can be found at at semenantonio.com. Follow us on Instagram at lux underscore the podcast. 